0: Welcome back to Two Gals. We are in the month of October and we are talking about breast cancer awareness. And last week we did an awesome episode with Dr. Jess, just giving us overview of how physical therapy can be involved uh, with breast cancer patients. And this week we're going to continue that topic, talking about Something a little bit similar but different. Um, and I'm excited to learn along with you guys. So before we get started, Dr. Jess,
1: what is in your glass today? Well, this morning I am still on my cup of coffee. I'm halfway through. And so I keep it in this thermos because I have a tendency to start drinking it and then I get busy doing stuff. And so if I have it just in a mug, it'll be cold and then I end up reheating it a bunch of times and that's not good and gross. Um, So I keep it in my mug with the lid and it'll stay warm for probably a good hour. Um, So that's where I am this morning. (laughs) Dr. Bob in your glass.
0: Uh, We I have just water and funny thing about this uh, cup. I lost it like eight, nine months ago. And I went to a two-year-old birthday party at a friend's house like two weeks ago. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, we have your cup. And I was like, I've been looking everywhere for that. So I'm happy to have it back.
1: There we go. That's awesome. It's like a newfound find, even though it's old.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, So... Dr. Jess, last week we talked about like just physical therapy in general and like, what could we do? What are things to look for if you're going through breast cancer, radiation, all that. One area we didn't talk about is something you also are specialized in and it's called lymphedema, Mm -hmm. um, which is for those that don't know, it's like swelling. Um, But I'm going to let Dr. Jess, can you tell us a little bit more about lymphedema?
1: Yes. So when we talk about the diagnosis of lymphedema, I always like to take a step back and first talk about what is your lymphatic system? Because we can't really understand something that goes wrong until we understand what normal is. And so the lymphatic system is something that is not well understood, um, even in the medical community, let alone, you know, just the general public. So when we think about our circulatory system, so our heart pumps blood you know throughout our body and so we've got blood that is oxygenated meaning it's got oxygen in it and so that's what goes to the muscles to help them work and it you know perfuses all of our tissues So, And then we have blood that comes in via our venous system, and so that's deoxygenated blood. And so that circulation is constantly going, and that's why we breathe air and the blood plumps through our lungs to get the oxygen in, and then we exhale, and then we blow out the carbon dioxide. So that circulatory system is more commonly understood. At the same time, we have another circulatory system, which is called our lymphatic system. So as the veins are bringing that deoxygenated blood back to the heart, our lymphatic system is working alongside the venous system to bring all the other cellular debris back to the heart to reenter circulation. And so why this is important is because the lymphatic system picks up literally everything. All of the gunkus and yuckus and everything else gets transported in that lymphatic vessel, which is why there's a key difference between veins and lymph vessels. Oh, a couple key differences, but the biggest one is that if this fluid is icky, yucky, gross, it has to get filtered and cleaned. So the lymphatic system has lymph nodes, and those are the cleaning stations to filter out all the gunk before that fluid gets dumped back into the heart alongside the venous system. So the way I like to think about that is if we have a highway, right, we've got all these lanes on the highway, And we've got a nice big divider, you know, a pretty big barrier. So it's very clear who's allowed to be in these lanes and who's allowed to be in these lanes. So the veins essentially are like all of the electric vehicles. There's no like crap coming out of them you know there's not stuff flying off the back you know bumbling down the road and on the highway and then we've got all of the other all the other lanes so we've got the people that are just blowing smoke out of the back of the car we've got stuff falling off the cars all of that so we've got electric vehicles and then everybody else everybody else are lymph vessels and so one's clean one's not Then what we have to think about is on this highway, the venous system essentially is like a bit of a super highway. So they don't have to go through toll booths. They get to like bypass toll booths and then keep on going, right? Whereas the venous or the lymphatic system rather, it has to go through toll booths. And so in the toll booths essentially are the lymph nodes and they have to stop and get cleaned and then keep on going. So that's normal lymph system. Now we can talk about what is the abnormal lymphatic system and why does that happen? Well, what happens typically, there's a couple of different things that can happen, but the most common thing that happens, especially when we're talking about breast cancer, and we talked about this last episode of when they're trying to diagnose the cancer itself and they need to understand, the the, the physicians need to understand how far has that cancer spread? Is it limited to the breast or has it left the breast? And that determines essentially the severity and it determines the type of treatment that the patient will receive. So in order to know if it's left the breast, they will take the lymph, the sentinel node and then one or two other nodes around that sentinel node. And those are a a series of nodes in the armpit area which we call the axillary nodes. So when they remove, two to three of those nodes, let's say there's 40 total. Everybody's a little bit different. There's not a standard number, Um, but let's say there's 40 and they take two to three. If we think of that highway, so go back to that highway, we've got all this traffic coming. And if there's 40 toll booths, now there's two or three less. So not a typically a big impact and we don't typically see any sort of major backup of traffic, which would be swelling in that scenario. We can, but it's not as common. Now, the patient that has a positive sentinel node, they're going to go back in for surgery, and they're going to go through what's called an axillary dissection, where they will take more lymph nodes, sometimes 15, 17, 20 lymph nodes. So now our 40 toll booths for all of this traffic has been cut sometimes in half. So the toll booths that are left, the demand is not less. It's the same amount of traffic. It's actually more traffic because you're in a post-surgical state, meaning you're going to have inflammatory cells and other things like that. That's just a, a normal reaction that occurs after surgery. You've got to heal the first surgical site, and now you have a second surgical site. So your system is working really hard to bring cells in to repair, which all of that extracellular activity has got to get filtered through your lymphatic system, which has less toll booths. So what that can do is it can create a backup into the arm or into the breast or into the side of the breast of fluid, and that's called swelling. And so that's lymphedema. It's treated with what we call complete decongestive therapy. So meaning we don't just do one thing, Any treatment isn't one thing, right? (laughs) It's typically when we do a comprehensive plan of care for anything in life that isn't going well, then what we have to do is think about how are all of the different ways we can support this circulatory system. So in complete uh, decongestive therapy, we have two phases. We have phase one, which is where we try and get that limb smaller or the breast itself smaller. Phase two is where we maintain that um, because these lymph nodes aren't coming back. They do have surgeries where they'll do a lymph node transfer. Um, It's called another one rule to do. what's called a lymphovenous anastomosis rule. They'll use um, some of the veins and lymph and try and do an anastomosis. Um, It's, it is not. Necessarily curative. Uh, I I don't know that I've ever seen a patient cured, meaning that they don't have to wear compression uh, after the surgery. Uh, it can help, and it can help decrease the size of the limb. Um, but I, I've I've never seen it actually have somebody be where they they never have to think about it, and their limb size equals the other limb size, and um, and there's no other uh, thought that has to go into it. So, but it can be helpful in advanced cases, absolutely. Um, But I just kind of sometimes people think of it as being curative, and they get very frustrated when they still have to wear a sleeve to keep their arm down. So, um, so anyway, I I, maybe it'll get better in the future. I'm not sure. Uh, So, there's that. Now, let's go to phase one. So, when we talk about phase one of treatment, that's where we try and get the swelling down, and how we do that is with some form of compression, whether we're doing a series of what we call graded compression, so we have more compression down at the hand and less up here to help get that fluid out. We do a technique called manual lymph drainage, and that's where we're going to stimulate lymph nodes in other areas where there are what's called an anastomosis. So there's lymphatic vessels that cross territories. And so we're going to use those lymph nodes to say, hey, if these axillary lymph nodes in my left armpit are overworked, right? They're just stressed out and they can't handle the traffic. Then we can use the lymph nodes in my right armpit area, the axillary nodes there to help create what we call a suction effect. So, and this is all evidence-based. There's research where they can show that when we do manual lymph drainage, we can increase what's called the lymph angiomotoricity. And that's the rate at which the lymphatic vessel pumps. And so if our normal, right is like bum 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 when we do manual lymph drainage which is a soft tissue technique it's bum 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 so more flow can happen and so this is what we call creating the detour so if we go back to that highway picture that highway we've got this these um, toll booths that are closed and everyone's really ticked about it we're stuck in traffic but you look oh hey here's a detour that's been created. Let me take that detour and get around this area. So that's essentially what we're doing. We're creating this detour so that as the fluid comes up the arm, it doesn't have to get filtered here. We're going to use lymphatic vessels that cross the chest. We can do the same thing going down the groin. And so there's lymphatic vessels and lymph nodes called your inguinal nodes in your groin. So we'll use the same side groin and we'll use the opposite side shoulder to kind of help. We also have small nodes along the chest and along the back that we'll kind of use as well. So we're we'll just really trying kind of help pump this fluid and get your system to help. In addition to compression, in addition to really good skin care, because you're at a higher risk of cellulitis, which is a skin infection when we have swelling and we use exercise because we want to use compression from the muscle contraction and the effect of gravity (laughs) to help all of the flow. So there's four parts to complete decongestive therapy. We have exercise, we have manual lymph drainage, we have compression, and we have really, really good skincare. So those are the four steps of phase one, which is getting the arm smaller. Phase two is different for everybody. How do we keep it down? (laughs) Now that we got it down, how do we keep it there? Well, some form of compression is typically required, whether we have a glove and sleeve, whether we have a compression bra, whether we use just daytime, we might use nighttime garments, we might use a pneumatic compression pump. Um, It just kind of depends. And we're always going to have some sort of a supportive home exercise program to focus on keeping the shoulders open. We don't want to compress that side. We don't want to protect that side. We want normal use out of that shoulder because this doesn't help flow. This compresses flow. So it's, we've got to keep strong in the posture and in the shoulder. And so that's everybody, by the way, (laughs) but like really, for real if you have lymphedema like you have got to use that arm and keep it strong so that you're supporting your vascular system with the tone of the muscle and with that constant use of the muscle that curates compression on its own so that's kind of the big picture of what happens and why we treat it and how we treat it um, so is that like I know it's a long winded answer. Uh, and this is when I do an eval. I'm like, I know this is a lot of information at once. I have like a little printed handout that I give them. And then we review it a couple of times because it's like the brain is like overload. If we don't overload the brain and we just give you like small tidbits, like over time, it's like you don't see the big picture. does that make sense? Like you have to know the big picture to undergo and be compliant with treatment. Otherwise, if you're not compliant, meaning you don't attend visits or you're taking the compression off for two or three days at a time, you know, it, it just, it's a, honestly, it's a waste of time and energy and money. And so why would we do that? You know, if we're in this decongestive phase, if that arm's not compressed, and you're leaving it uncompressed for three days, and it's been compressed for one. We're going to see no change, right? It'll look smaller when we take the compression off, but then you're just going to swell right back in to <laughs> to that arm. So when you come back, you're like, "This isn't working for me." Right? I know, <laughs> like, absolutely, so like it's not working. Yeah. When we we're
0: talking about lymphedema, like right now, it's it's we're talking about breast cancer, but I know lymphedema can happen in all like multiple parts of the body. So there's different areas that can happen now is treatment. So there's special for breast cancer, but how about like the wrapping and the concepts? Is it similar? If someone has like swelling in their leg, let's say.
1: Yeah. And And so that's absolutely. So that's what I was saying with like the causes, right? Mm -hmm. So like, with breast cancer, the number one cause obviously is just the removal of the lymph nodes that they have to do for testing for the pathology report. Um, the same thing can happen in a leg. If you have any sort of like uterine cancer or cancers that are going to affect the organ systems, um, they might need to do the same thing for the inguinal nodes which are in the groin and those nodes filter the fluid from the legs and the lower abdomen. And so that can create the backup into the legs and or lower abdomen. Now, the other thing that can happen that can be a cause for lymphedema in the legs. So remember how I said that the venous system works with the lymphatic system to return fluid back to the heart? Well, if we have a problem with the venous system, the most common thing is venous insufficiency. And so that's where we see that the little, there's like a little, Um, valves in the veins that help the blood not fall backwards. Because you got to think like we're functioning against gravity all day long. The veins do not have a muscular pump like the arteries do. So the veins rely on muscle contraction and muscle tone to push that fluid all the way from the big toe all the way back to your heart. So that's a lot of work. So if for some reason we have somebody that stands statically for long periods of time, maybe they work at a grocery store, Maybe they work, you know, anything where you're just like standing, but not moving a lot, that's going to put a pretty big stress on your venous system. Uh, There's other, you know, even sitting long duration without actually like moving can put a strain, especially on the calves and the feet, because you don't have that muscle contraction to keep the pressure against the vein. And so over time, what happens is those back valves start to leak. And so you start to get this, you know, this swelling, that's a very generalized swelling. It starts very slow. By the end of the day, you notice, wow, the top of my feet look puffy. And then a couple of years go by. Wow. My ankles look puffy. Another six months to a year goes by. Oh, wow. My calf looks puffy. It's worse at the end of the day. It looks better in the morning. Why? Well, why it looks better in the morning is because you are lying down. So your body is not having to work up against gravity. Gravity is in what we call a neutral position or heaven forbid, you actually elevate your legs and they look great in the morning because now gravity is your friend. Gravity is helping get that fluid ex- out of legs.
0: I experienced that during pregnancy. Oh my goodness. Like the last like 10 weeks, it was like my legs would go whoop. And I was like, and even if I could get them up for like 20 minutes, like, It's amazing how much just that little bit helped during the day.
1: Oh yeah. Gravity is like so hard. (laughs) We're like, we're functioning against gravity and it puts strain on our skeletal system, on our muscles, on our um, circulatory system. And so we just constantly have to think, how can I use gravity to be helpful? And what can I do to be supportive against gravity? And so that's how physical therapists think, you know, that's how we're preparing you to be able to withstand living on earth.
0: So, okay. So we know like, okay, obviously if you're going to, if you had a bunch of, you know, if you've had um, axillary nodes or lymph nodes removed, and like, if you start seeing the swelling in your arm, you're going to obviously kind of correlate those two as to why it's happening. Right. But how about like other parts of our body with lymphedema? How would we know the difference between lymphedema and just like general swelling from injury or something like that, that maybe we don't know what we did, but all of a sudden we're seeing a little swelling. How can we differentiate the two or is it possible?
1: Well, it's not. So the scans, if you want to actually get a scan of your lymphatic system, um, it's not readily available and Mm -hmm. it can be a little bit um, uh, not. Yeah. Just really not readily available. It's not a common scan to get right to say like, is it my lymphatic system underperforming? Now, what I will say is that if you have a correlated injury, so let's say you've got, you sprained your ankle, you had a mechanism of onset, like I was running, I slipped, boom, my ankle hurts. Now, only on one side of the body, only the ankle is still swollen. Well, you're probably just stuck in a subacute healing phase. Um, You're either overstressing it on a regular basis or something's going on. We're having recurrent tissue trauma. And so your body is just kind of stuck in this phase where it's trying to heal, but you keep re-injuring. And so and that's typically associated with pain and discomfort as well. So we're going to put that into the category of injury. Now with lymphedema, this is gonna be more of a diffuse swelling. So it's, it's not specific to just the outside of the ankle. It's going to be the entire lower leg or the entire leg, or both legs, or the leg and the lower abdomen, or the face, it can happen anywhere, right? Anywhere that's that the lymphatic system is not able to withstand the stress that's placed onto it. So that's kind of like how we think about um, the capacity of the lymphatic system. So on that same highway, so let's go back to our highway. If we have a stretch of highway, let's say that stretches a hundred yards, and in that period of time, 100 cars can go through, the, through that stretch and maintain normal speed. Now, if 101 cars are on the highway, it's not going to maintain normal speed. You're going to slow down a little bit. 150 cars on there, it's definitely going to be, you're going to start seeing backup right? So Mm -hmm. what happens when we have removal or damage to lymph nodes, then the capacity, so that 100 cars, that's the capacity, that max capacity, that capacity goes down. And so if capacity goes down and load goes up, then the difference doesn't match. So that difference equals swelling or edema. And so when we think about legs in particular, If your venous system is underperforming because of chronic venous insufficiency, you'll see swelling in the legs. That can get worse and worse because it's going to put load on your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system is going to try and pick up the difference for what the venous system isn't able to do. And so now you can get what's called a secondary lymphedema or flebo lymphedema. So vein starts underperforming, lymph load increases. Once the load surpasses capacity, we're gonna see a problem with the lymphatic system. So the venous system is easier to scan. So typically you go to a vein specialist, they'll do some sort of like ultrasound and they'll kind of get a look at the flow. They'll see if anything's backing up, if there's, you know, they'll check for what's called a DVT or a blood clot, you know, something that's causing a stress to that venous system. And they'll say, oh, yep, here we go. This is what's going on. So that one's easier to diagnose once You know, once it surpasses um, venous insufficiency and gets into a lymphedema, that's where we see it's much more of a gross swelling. So it's not just puffiness in the ankles and calves. We'll see it kind of coming up into the knee, up into the up into the thigh, and that's typically more both legs are involved versus just one. Um, That's you know we call that a bilateral involvement because you're not going to get typically venous insufficiency that's generalized just in one leg. You're standing on both statically for long duration, years and years. Um, so that's going to be kind of how you would differentiate between those venous versus lymph versus injury that you're just stuck in subacute.
0: So we, if we talk about treatment, I, you have mentioned for treatment for lymphedia, we have, um, besides exercise, um, we have, uh, manual lymphatic drainage right. and compression. Compression. Yep. Um, and I remember there's a fourth one. Skincare. Skincare. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in therapy, what would that look like for? I know it's individualized for each person, but what will does manual lymphatic drainage and um, compression on skincare look like for a patient?
1: So normally, what we'll do if we're in the decongestive phase or that first phase where we're trying to get the limbs smaller. We'll start the session with what we call manual lymph drainage. So it's a soft tissue technique, where we'll stimulate lymph nodes that are unaffected and we'll direct, it's a soft tissue where it's just a skin stretching technique. It's a really gentle technique. The lymph vessels sit in the layer of adipose, which is the fat layer, not a deep layer. So we're not pushing hard on things. It's we're doing a stretch to those lymphatic vessels. So we're going to direct that flow away from the congested area. So if it's my arm, I'm going to direct the flow away. If it's my leg, I'm going to direct the flow up. I'm going to use anything that I call available. (laughs) If it's not damaged, we're using it Um, because we want to get this going. You know, it's like you're (laughs) in it. We're going to get this going as quick as possible. So we'll start with manual lymph drainage, typically um, some diaphragmatic breathing because we have a deep lymphatic system and a superficial lymphatic system. So the deep lymphatic system, we can actually get a good pump going on that with diaphragmatic breathing. So we'll start with that. We'll do a manual of drainage. We're always going to keep the skin nice and clean. So we wash and dry, soapy, clean, wash and dry the skin. We hydrate the skin with a a good lotion. So that way we know once we wrap that, we have a nice clean layer underneath. Now, we might be using techniques, depending on what's going on. We might be using some kinesio taping techniques. We might be using some channeling techniques, some chip pad techniques, if there's like some fibrosis, if it's been going on for a long time, um, that's going to kind of help us with the um, with the wrapping. Then, you know, we start with putting on a stockinette, which is going to be clean every time, which is like a... a um, Uh, some sort of synthetic or cotton material, depending on the person. So we'll put a stockinette over the skin And then we'll start with some padding that we use because when we do graded compression, we can't have a skinny ankle and then a big old knee and a big old thigh, right? Like it's just gonna end up like putting way too much pressure on that ankle. And then we could create a tourniquet effect um, which would actually make everything worse, not better. So we're gonna put some padding on and we're gonna create as much of a cylinder as possible. So now when I put on my graded compression, we're gonna try and keep it nice and even as we work our way up the limb, whether it's the arm, leg, we, we don't wrap the face. Uh, we do other techniques for the face. <laughs> <laughs> um and so and same thing with abdomen that that one gets a little bit tricky um but very treatable okay it's you're not always fat <laughs> sometimes you'll get gaslit by the healthcare community if you've got swelling in the abdominal area that could be what's called truncal lymphedema if you've had you know endometriosis surgeries or anything that could damage that deep lymphatic system um it has scar tissue on there things like that i've i've seen this many times and uh it's treatable. So anyway, going back. Um, uh, so we get that, you know, that graded compression on. And then as that's on, we're going to double check our capillary refill. Do we have blood flow going down? Are we healthy? Which is good, right? We need that. So we get that on safely and then we're going to go through our exercises. We're going to move that arm with the compression on because we don't treat it like a cast. We have to use the arm. So we'll go through some simple exercises and then that's usually, boom, at the hour. I mean, it, it takes an hour to get all of that done. Um, the other thing I say is once that's on, I mean, you can use that to whack someone, you know, like with <laughs> me. I was gonna say No, that sounds like it's a
0: lot, a lot of work on. It you is. Know, it the- is. Um, just focus on that.
1: And now how long will they leave that bandage on until they come back? So let's say, cause we, t- we typically wrap Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, um, we do have, there's an alternative for it's a neoprene type, uh, garments that they can take off and put on independently. Uh, It's a good second best. It is hard to put that on with one arm. I mean, because you got to like, you know, get it on and it's, you know, so it's possible or we'll teach somebody at home to put the wrapping on. Usually people are like, oh yeah, I got this. I'm going to do it. And then they're like, I'd rather just come in. I'd say like 90% of the time they're like, yeah, I'm going to wrap on my own. So I don't have to come in. And they always end up coming in. Um, there's a reason why we're trained in this. Um, I'm happy to teach you. I'm happy to have you have less appointments. I know it's a pain in the butt to come in, um, but it is there's a technique and a rhyme and reason to put it on comfortably and it's for it to be effective and to not cut off blood flow and actually improve um <laughs> like lymphatic flow. Uh so um, so anyway, if this is a new like a, a new injury, like a new diagnosis, usually we might wrap two, three, four weeks max, right? And we get, boom, we get our goals met. If this is a chronic diagnosis, you've had this for 20 years and then you stopped wearing your garments for the last decade or whatever it might be, um, we're gonna be wrapping longer than that because now that- Softer swelling has turned more fibrotic, and so we've got to kind of break up that fibrotic swelling. Then your lymph system has to pick that up, and so we might wrap for six or eight weeks, um, and it. But we can still make the difference. But mentally, we just have to prepare that for this period of time. This is going to be our focus, and and we're really going to be compliant. And if we're not ready. To, to commit to, you know, that three to four weeks or that six to eight weeks, we wait until you're ready to commit. Like there's like, you don't have to, <laughs> you know, but there's really no point in starting if you're not going to be compliant you're just going to reswell. And it's going to just be a one big frustration. And I, I don't want someone going through that. I don't want someone thinking this isn't going to work for me. Um, so we wrap on Mondays. And then Wednesday morning, you take it off, you take your shower, you come in for your appointment, we go through it all over again. Friday morning, you take it off, you take a shower, you come in, we put it all on all over again. Mm -hmm. Um, Then on Sundays, usually what we'll do is we'll have you take it off, take a shower, put a compression garment on or some sort of alternative. So that way on Monday you come in and you weren't on um, with no compression. So, um, and then we measure once a week, total limb volume. We do circumferential measurements every four centimeters. I have a formula that calculates that into a volume for the whole limb. And then we track that volume compared to the other side. We put a percentage of involvement on there. Um, My goal is always I want under 5% of involvement um, because that's going to be, it's going to leave the patient at the lowest risk of cellulitis, which is that skin infection we're talking about. And that skin infection will put you in the hospital real quick. I mean it's serious.
0: When you say five percent, does that mean like a for us, uh does that mean like a five percent difference between right and
1: left uh your arms
0: or uninvolved
1: to involved? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want um I don't want the involved arm more than five percent larger than the uninvolved arm. Um, I want it equal. Um, but we have, we're always going to have a difference. Like my right arm's bigger than my left arm, just cause I'm right arm, I'm right hand dominant, right? So I have a percentage difference. So 5% is the window that we're kind of willing to work within. If it's super, super chronic and you're coming to me with a limb size, that's 35% involved, which happens, um, I might be shooting for 10%, you know, as a realistic goal, we're not going to be getting under five if it's 20 years old and, you know, just. It's just more difficult at that point, which is fine. We can still go from thirty five to ten. I mean still helpful.
0: Still would feel a difference and everything like that
1: heaviness of the arm, how your clothes fit. Um, you know, cause that's the thing is like, you know, you can't get your arm into a long sleeve shirt when it's that big um, wearing jackets, things like that. It's, it's, you know, visually it stands out and nobody wants to be that person that um, people are like, Oh, what's wrong with you? Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't feel good. Right. Like that really doesn't feel good. When, when people point out like, And they're loud about it. Like, what is the deal? Why is it so loud? Like, like, nobody wants to be pointed out in a public setting of like, why they're different than everybody else. So don't do that. It's not kind. (laughs) I have it happen to my patients on a regular basis. And like, it, it it's frustrating, you know. I want to be there in the background saying, like, "Hey, guess what? You know, like, let's actually redirect that comment somewhere else." <laughs> you know,
0: protecting them.
1: Nothing <laughs> nuts. Um, it's like once they're a patient, I'm like, "Okay, oh, you're in my huddle." Like, don't protect my patients. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: well, Dr. Jess, thank you so much for teaching us about lymphedema and how kind of the process and how it can be helped. It's not something that you have to live with. It's something that you can treat and um, feel. I think that's the most important thing. I mean, looking is in, is important because of our confidence, but feeling normal, feeling like you can use the arm, wear the clothes you want to wear,
1: yeah.
0: um, do the things you want to do. Um, I think that's all very important.
1: Yeah. And it's not, it's not a painful thing it's not a painful treatment. It's not, you know, it's not like a total knee recovery or something like that, where it's like, well, it's just hard. Um, It's, it's not painful. It's just a bummer to have your arm wrapped, right? Mm -hmm. It stands out. People notice it. Um, So we just kind of do a lot of preparation for that. What are, what are things that we could say back that isn't defensive uh, in order to just kind of redirect that comment? We really do a lot of prep work in that regard, Um, but it is, possible to treat it it's just a condition that needs to be managed in the long term so just like when you get diabetes once you've got it that pancreas is no longer functioning at a normal rate so it needs management this is the same thing at the end of it if we put a sleeve on on a daily basis and that's what manages it awesome there's no pills with side effects. There's no anything else. It's simply putting a sleeve on and it keeps it down or a compression bra, whatever might be going on, compression garments for the abdomen or legs. Typically, that's it's as simple as that. It's just the compliance of wearing that long term sometimes is really good, sometimes isn't. And so that's where it gets a little bit difficult. So, well, but thank all possible. You. Yes.
0: Well, thank you very, very much. Um, Everyone stay tuned. We are, we have some really interesting uh, and awesome interviews coming up for the rest
1: of October. So stay tuned and we'll see you next time. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you would like to learn more about how Two Gals can support you, then join our Two Gals Insiders membership, which can be found at www.two-gals.com. Also, don't forget, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Okay, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your week.